Good afternoon, Dave. How are you, mate? I'm pretty good, thanks. Excellent. Uh, I want to welcome our guest, Jane, from Two Birds. Hey, how you doing? Good, thanks, Jane. How are you? I'm extraordinarily well, actually. Yeah, it's considering you've just opened a brewery venue and travelled down to Bendigo? Yep, pretty much. I can die happy. I have uh, ticked off all of my life's dreams right now. So. <laughs> so, we're three days into your venue being up and running. How's it going? Really good. Really uh, pleased with the initial response and how people have got on board with it from the very minimal advertising that we've done so far. So, early signs are incredibly encouraging. I noticed uh, I was here on Friday evening. There seem to be a lot of locals streaming in. Have you sort of found that it's mostly locals getting on board and supporting it? Yeah, it seems to be a lot of people who are saying, oh, you know, we live literally 200 metres away or, you know, we're just over the bridge or whatever else. So uh, it seems that, yes, the Western Suburbs is definitely embracing it, which is what we were hoping for. And I guess lots of people in the, you know, late 20s, early 30s and lots of people coming in with their kids and drinking beer and eating uh, the food from Rockwell and Sons as mm. well. So... Yeah, really pleased with the the start and kind of onwards and upwards from here, we hope. And how did your uh, association with Rockwell and Sons doing all the food here come about? So Casey, for the longest time, had just been joking with me saying, you know, when you open a brewery, I want to do the food. Um, So when we actually did open the brewery, I called him and I was like, mate, do you want in? And uh, yeah, here 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 it is, I guess. So is there a full kitchen out there? Uh, it is. It's a it's a pretty squashy space, but uh, Casey's managing to to kind of work around that, and he's created a menu, I guess, based on the food, but also based on the uh, restrictions of, of what he's got going on back there. And and yeah, it's all looking. It's been pretty tasty so far. Mm. What sort of stuffs on the menu? Uh, so he's got a whole range of snacks, so some nuts and popcorn and um, some amazing parmesan Oreos. Um, and then uh, got a whole bunch of sandwiches as well, so I guess more of a full menu. Um, and then, yeah, cheese boards and just all food that goes really, really well with, with beer and Casey's, you know, making the good majority of everything on the list apart from the, apart from the cheese itself. And it's, uh, it's been really well, well received so far. That's awesome. What's a Parmesan Oreo? Uh, little parmesan uh, biscuits with goat's cheese in the middle of them. Yum. Yeah. So a cheese biscuit with cheese in the middle. Yeah, cheese on cheese. Right. Lots of kind of really good umami characters and really salty and just food that goes really well with beer. Mm. Yeah. There was a couple of things uh, when I looked the other day that I didn't recognise at all. I had to I had to Google things on my phone, which is pretty rare. Um, there's so it was like chicken crackling. It's got yeah, a different the, name. The grabeans. We're uh, thinking about relabeling that because we think it could be really popular, but at the moment, no one's ordering it because I think it's confusing for people. But yeah, so it's effectively uh, Casey calls it Jewish bacon, um, but it's roast chicken skins um, with this amazing so quark, which is this kind of fresh cheese with a whole lot of fine herbs through it, and then pickled um, red onion, and it is amazing stuff but uh, because I think it's called Grabeans people are a little bit confused by it and it hasn't been being ordered as much as I think maybe it should be mm. yeah we, we googled it as soon as we saw it we're like what the hell is that there's four of us <laughs> and then we're like that looks really sounds really good so mm. yeah that's um, pretty good and the beers you've got on tap uh, I can see you've run out of sesame snapchat your uh, Gabs beer for this year sad day and you mentioned you've been selling them in a different order to what you expected yeah, so we've got Golden um, Sunset Taco, and we, like we said, we did have Sesame Snapchat on tap. Um, and, you know, we sort of assumed we would sell majority of Golden Ale, but the 
uh, at least from Friday, I think, or Thursday maybe it was, um, the highest seller was Taco, Sunset, um, followed by Sesame, Snapchat and Gold Nail. So it was pretty interesting for us to see. I'd be interested to see how it's gone for the rest of the weekend since then. So There was a fair reason for Taco selling well. It's tasting so good. <laughs> Thank you. Also, there's free limes at the bar as well, which I took advantage of. Um, so you only just use the lime, lime zest for Taco? Yeah, so we only use the peel. So then we decided to put... Uh, so my I have a freezer full of what we call naked limes. Um, and we decided that as soon as we opened this place, we would try and uh, try and give them away. So we've had a, a bowl on the bar full of these naked limes and, and the backlog from the last sort of taco, they're all gone and uh, mm. the, ba- the, the uh, basket is now empty. So It's, uh, it's good to know because I use a lot of limes and limes are expensive. So yes. I'm probably going to be just popping in my head on every now and then. <laughs> Any excuse will yeah. do, I guess, for a little stuff in. Yeah. Oh, I really needed to make something with lime in it. Yeah, that's what needed just to Just going to go down to the shop. <laughs> uh, and we're deciding, so we've got um, a Bloody Mary on the list as well because I'm a massive fan of Bloody Marys. So we decided that it would be really cool to have a Bloody Mary here and we're using, you know, the lime juice for that also. So trying to use it as many ways as we as we can because it's been sad having them all in just accumulating in my freezer. <laughs> you said uh, you're getting a few locals coming in and, uh, you know, people that just lived down the road. Are they familiar with your beers? Are they? I feel like, I guess because we're, you know, probably a K away, probably even less from the Junction Beer Hall, um, and those guys have been massive supporters of ours from day one, and um, they've had Golden Sunset on, and they've pretty much, and every single specialty we've ever had, so uh, I feel like the local area here, and just the western suburbs in general, tends to get us. It's a really big focus for us, and has been for a while now, um, so... Yeah, I feel like those guys really understand what's going on. So a lot of them already know us and were really excited that we were moving in and half of the people are just excited that there's a brewery here. So mm. either way, I think it kind of works in our, in our favour. You mentioned that um, it was uh, limited advertising and press. Would you do anything to get the word out that you're opening? Uh, just social media. Just social so, media. Yeah, we just posted on Facebook and Twitter and, and that was... That was it. That was all we did before we opened, and that was the Wednesday before we opened on the Thursday. So, you know, nothing like late notice. But, um, yeah, it seemed to be... I mean, a lot of people were aware of the fact that it was here and were just wondering when it was going to open. So I think a lot of people just kind of sprung into action um, when they knew it was finally happening. So there will be marketing happening. It just didn't... Not prior to that, which is good because it gave us a chance to get open, iron out a few creases without it being just absolutely heaving in here. But apparently last night was really busy, so it's good. That's fine. Um, You're pretty, uh, I guess you use social media a lot and branding is is obviously a big part of the Two Birds brand. That's a terrible way of putting it, but (laughs) um, you know, your your logo is really identifiable. You've got a sort of a clear, strong brand. Um, Was that a conscious approach from you guys? Yeah, very much so. Um, We spent a lot of time working on the branding side of things you know before we launched and we're pretty clear about what our brand means and and the way we use it and everything so um yeah it's definitely something that we consciously thought about and and obviously that's mostly driven by by danielle and um she's really strong in that area and i think she's done an amazing job um you know getting it out there and i guess yeah making it that strong kind of icon that it is and what is your brand to you what is it what does it mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess it's something that's a little bit fun. It's a little bit quirky. It's always a little bit 
sort of tongue in cheek and um, always really positive, as I guess as well. Our message on social media is all about positivity and making sure that we always respond to people in a positive way. And um, we just want people to enjoy interacting with our brand. And I guess that's obviously you know an extension of our beers as we want them to be accessible and approachable and, and all those kind of things. And that's what I guess what the brand should be also. So. How long did it take to get the um, venue up and running? Um, look, we took the keys at the beginning of December um, and we had to wait for planning permits to come through before we actually started building anything for the venue. So that probably started in earnest in March, I think. Um, and it's been a fair process with building surveyors and um, disability and health and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, we were literally ready to go the day we opened. So, And it was for us just about throwing the doors open as soon as we could and just getting people in and getting, you know, bums on seats and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, you said you, you live out west. Um, the west has been pretty important to you. Um, have you always lived the west of Melbourne? Is that kind of your, your home yeah, so I moved from WA about seven years ago and we moved straight to Yarraville um, and yeah, it's been home ever since. We're really lucky that we've got a great little community and that my our neighbours are our best friends. Um, we've got some really good friends who live across the road. Um, the sense of community in this part of the world is really strong and you know I see so many people walking in the door that I recognise, whether it be from just seeing them at you know, the shops in Yarraville or Seddon or, you know, seeing them around Footscray or at the gym or wherever else. And, and so it's just that, uh, yeah, it is a really good sense of community here. And so I think the West has just been so ready for something like this. Um, and that, yeah, we were keen to be the people to fill that gap. It's a, a great train line beer crawl now. And I think we mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were chatting. Um, you got this place, obviously, the junction up the road, um, Park Hotel in Werribee, and there's also the couple places in Footscray. You can get your beers on at the Reverence as well. Um, I was watching a gig last night and drinking Golden Ale, which was great. Such a nice change to get a local beer at a local venue and um, not be drinking Carlton Draft, basically. We love the Rev. It's one of my favourite. It's kind of my... uh I guess my home away from home in terms of it's the pub that I consider my local other than this one now um, and I love what those guys do I love that they've just sort of bought craft beer into something that's not traditionally a craft beer pub and they're selling really solid um, you know volumes and people are just loving it and they've had taco on and it just goes absolutely nuts um, especially with their taco Tuesdays as well so yeah those guys are, are awesome and yeah I love the fact that they've got the live music there and, and uh, yeah craft beer just fits in so well with all of that it's a really big focus for us is actually trying to extend it beyond the, you know, the stock standards, the the pubs that you expect to walk into and see craft beer in. Where we've got um, so Paul or Salty, our rep on the road, and and one of the big focuses for him is to yeah to look outside of the usual sphere, and he's got it on tap at a at a bowls club out in Box Hill, I believe, who've uh, just decided they've got one single craft beer tap in amongst their uh, their list, and I think it's doing pretty well. And so, yeah, it's definitely something we want to focus on. Um, and your beers themselves, uh, I guess um, the Golden Ale was your first beer, and that was kind of gentle, easygoing, um, and then the Sunset's kind of the winter version of that. Is that probably accurate? That sort of- yeah, I mean, I guess both the beers are about uh, approachability, sessionability, um, balance is one of those words that I throw around an awful lot. Um, clean as well, um, so... 
I like beers that I can sit and have a few of and it's got some interest and some character but it's not sort of beating me over the head and um, smashing me with flavour. I like those kind of beers but I'll have one and I'll move on to, to something else. So I really wanted to make beers that, you know, have that sessionability and, um, you know, that's a pretty big focus for us. We've got a, uh, you heard it here first, we've got a session IPA in Fermenter at the moment. So, you know, the idea of, again, having all that hop flavour and character but having it in a beer that's, it sits nicely in it. You know, I think it's going to be four and a half, four point seven percent 4.7%, something like that. Um, and, yeah, that, that sort of thing just works for me because those are the sorts of beers I like to drink and, and we've had a really good response to them here as well. Mm. I do want to make some fun, big stuff as well. I've got all these crazy ideas in my head. And what's the, what approach are you taking for the session IPA? Are you loading with Australian hops, loading with American hops? How's, that, how's it going to be? Uh, so one of the other things that we've kind of almost subconsciously decided but then with the opening of the nest we've kind of made an actual conscious decision is that we want to use an Australian hop variety in, in all of our core range beers because we want to support what's going on here and you know we believe that the varieties that are coming out are really strong and, and have some really good characters so the Session IPA is pretty much um, other than the bittering edition is half topaz, half mosaic mm. so and yeah I guess so Golden Ale has always had Australian summer in it um, Sunset's got um, Cascade, some Australian grown Cascade. Uh, I can't even remember. I've <laughs> lost my train of thought. Uh, it's hard. Every time we ask brewers what is in their beer, they always go, ah, and then blank. You'd think there'd be like automatic response <laughs> questions, and they're often a found one. Yeah, because we spent so much time making them recently. I'm <laughs> like, how can I not even call this information to my head? But uh, yeah, and. Brewing-wise, it's you and you've got an assistant brewer, is that right? Uh, so, Wilson is my brewer, my, my right-hand man, and uh, has been involved in the, the process from the very beginning. So, we got him on board in, uh, I think it was even March. So, he's been with us for a good couple of months before we even had beer coming out of the tank. So, helping with commissioning. And when he started, I had all of the big picture stuff in hand, but uh, just didn't have any brain space for the detail. So... He kind of came in and dealt with things like gas lines and um, a lot of the refrigeration piping and, and that kind of stuff. And he's just been an absolute rock star. So, and then, yeah, he's pretty stoked that we're now up and brewing so he can actually get back to <laughs> the, what he's good at. Yeah. And he was, I think, was he Three Ravens first and yep. somewhere before that? Was uh, he was at Temple before that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great. And then Beer Deluxe was probably where majority of people would, uh, would know him from. Yeah. So, yeah, working the bar at Beer Deluxe for a number of years before that. Cool. And your husband has jumped on board to help out with the venue as well, is that? Yeah, so Lewis is running the bar and he actually did the whole bar build. So pretty much every fixed structure you see inside the nest is uh, was made by him. Uh, so he's a pretty handy guy for a geologist and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, now a venue manager. So, yeah, the, the whole family is involved now. He's got a bit of a smart, big smile on his face every time I've seen him this weekend, so I think he seems to be enjoying it. Yeah, it's a big challenge. It's obviously a massive change, but um, yeah, he seems to be taking it all in his stride, and I think every day he learns a whole stack of new stuff, and um, I think that's a, a really good thing for him. I like knowing that a lot of family is in the nest. That works <laughs> for me. <laughs> yes, I think it's family a, in the nest. It is a great thing to come to a brewery. It's a family, you know, family are involved, um, and right now... Obviously, our listeners can't see this, but we're sitting pretty much right next to the tanks. Um, you know, there's a big space sort of out in the brewery floor where people are 
uh, drinking and enjoying things and I think it's important to actually make it a focus rather than we're brewing out the back here somewhere and you know yeah we made a the brewery's a, a showcase for us I mean to me it's so beautiful um, so you know we put again you guys can't see this but we've put massive uh, holes in the wall to give us a big windows so that we had direct line of sight between the you know the bar space and actually seeing through to the brewery so we put a lot of effort in actually making it look we made a pretty brewery that was what we aimed to do you know we um, put a lot of thought into how to lay it out and, and you know with it being an, an actual focus of the of the whole space so I'm really glad to see people sitting in this kind of area that we have that's that's in the brewery and you know it's a little bit chilly out there we've got some blankets people sitting there wrapped up in some purple blankets as we speak but uh um, yeah, people kind of come here expecting that, and the inside area inside the bar is nice and warm and toasty. But uh, you know, if you want to be out in the tanks, then then that's the go. Mm. Now, we're all about detail, and and that's just the kind of people that that Danielle and I are. So it, we just did this whole thing, and we've just followed what we felt was right, and and the things that we wanted to do. So you know, we've labelled up all of the um, the brew house vessels, and yeah, all of the fermenters have. Um, you know, tank labels on them with some nice kind of graphics as well. Um, my favourite bit's probably the door between the bar and the brewery that says where the magic happens. Um, you know, we just, I guess, wanted to inject some a little bit of personality and, again, that whole thing for us, the the brand is kind of fun and quirky and, and those are the kind of things that we wanted to bring to this space, I guess. Is it kind of feminine without being overtly feminine? Is that accurate? I don't know. It's just us. I don't <laughs> okay. know that it's necessarily... Uh, you know that either way but it's you know it's just Danielle and I really I had one of my really good friends in here the other day who um, in the nicest possible way said to me it's like your brain just exploded all over the walls of this place <laughs> so um, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't put that on the website <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I think she was just saying that um, she felt like it was a really good expression of who we are and um, you know the things that mean something to us so we're definitely it's a pretty is a bit of a blank canvas and we're working on ways to you know bring a little bit more interest to it so we want to put some art on the walls but we just didn't want to we didn't want to force it we you know want to do things that mean something to us and um so we didn't just want to kind of put anything there just for the sake of it so it will be a constantly evolving space and i'd love to see it actually be used as a as a gallery at some stage so that kind of thing really interests me i love design i love art and um so, again, it's just kind of a reflection of who we are and the things that have meaning to us. Hmm. Well, it is a pretty space. I mean, lots of natural light on shiny stainless. It's, a, it's very visually appealing in here. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I have to admit, I really enjoyed sitting out here on a Friday. Um, we were chatting to some, some other beer lovers that we know. And, yeah, it's just a really nice. It, I love sitting amongst tanks and drinking the beer that came from them. It, I guess you, you know that it's only travelled that far and, you know, it hasn't sat in a warehouse or anything, and, and yeah. But you develop a bond with beers when you've had them at the source in the brewery, and that's a sort of um, mm. sort of connection I think you want to make yeah. with people that come here. And that was a really important, you know, so much of um, building the brewery was, was really about creating a, a home for two birds, you know, an actual location that people could associate with it, because as you guys are, would be aware, we were contract brewing, um, for the longest time so for us to be able to then go okay right we've done that that was great that really helped us to get to where we are now um but you know we need to create a a home and a 
a space that, that is two birds. So that was a really big focus for why we decided to do this and the location that we chose and, and the building that we chose and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, all your package stuff still coming out of WA, is that yep. right? Yep. Yeah, so um, all of the bottle products still coming out of Gage Roads. We'll be making all of the kegs for the East Coast, so they'll still be doing kegs for the West Coast. Um, yeah, look, again, this particular thing was about really getting the home and getting somewhere we can make the beer. We would have had to get a really large brewery in order to be able to do all of the bottle product. Mm. Um and we decided to kind of everything's been stepwise with us, so it's like let's just start here and we can work our way up. So, you know, my hope is that in three years' time I'll be building a massive production brewery in a back lot of an industrial estate, um, and that then we'll be able to take back production of everything, and and we'll still keep this and still be able to play around here, and but that we'll have, you know, something that's a bit larger pumping out all of our beer, not far from here, hopefully. Um, and you mentioned, you know, contract brewing. Um, it was sort of a dirty word maybe five years ago when people were – it was divisive. And I think um, you guys and, and a few other breweries have sort of changed that and now it's not even really an issue anymore. Is that Do you see that as well? We were um, – well, I guess it was a bit scary for us to come out and say that we were contract brewing, but I think we were probably one of the first people to actually say it with – pride it was like this is the decision that we've made um you know we have to own that situation we can't hide behind anything it's like this is the way we've decided to go for us it's a very smart business decision it allows us to get going without having to you know come up with all that money to start off with it allows us to get some runs on the board so to speak so that we can go to the bank in two or three years time and go hey look we've done this these are our sales these are our projections um and you know we're now in a position where we want to do you know we need money for this so you know it gave us a lot of um you know better reason to speak to the bank and and some solid kind of history i guess business history um but yeah it was definitely a dirty word uh, and it was a scary day when we you know decided to come out and say it but i feel like we helped to change people's view on contract brewing to an extent mm. it makes heaps of sense for uh sort of startup breweries to do it that way but i think when there was a lack of transparency that was where the problems arose but when you say it the way it, the way it is and why you're doing it i don't think anyone has a real issue with that yeah i don't think there's anything any reason to lie about it like i as a, as a drinker i don't care i just don't want to be lied to which sounds i guess a little bit precious but like, there's no reason to. Um, and I think, you know, you guys, as you said, came out and did it. And now, three or four years down the track, it doesn't seem like anyone is even thinking about it anymore. Um, so, yeah, it's great to, to see that change. Yeah. Yeah, we're still, you know, again, proudly doing what we're doing and make no illusion of the fact that, yes, we make the um, the bottled beer in WA and, and yeah, mm. we'll be doing the kegs. But I just think it's... It is what it is, right? There's no reason to hide behind it. It's mm. yeah. If that's your decision, then you should own it and own up to it. Mm. Owning up to it or, or coming out, it just sounds so uh, so dramatic for <laughs> someone just making some beer in someone else's brewery, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's. I mean, it happens all the time. In I guess my background is originally winemaking, and it happens all the time in in wineries, and it's not a big deal, and mm. no one has a thing about it, and you know, you're not dirty if you didn't. You know, oh, I get a lot of people who sort of say, oh, well, we build our own brewery and you're just kind of cheating by, you know, going and just getting it made somewhere else. And it's like, we pay a premium for that. 
and there's a lot of inflexibility that comes with that and there's actually a lot of you know from myself I not having control over that process was actually a really difficult thing so you know now actually be able to control it is is huge and just have this massive sense of relief and even more ownership of what we've been doing which is which is awesome having your own bricks and mortar now has it changed your production straight away off the bat um in terms of volume um no because i guess it's all driven by sales but we are on a now on a big sales push as well um, because we do have the ability to make a stack of beer here and with these kind of things you want to be using your stainless steel as much as possible so um, we've got the ability to make a, a lot of kegs so we've got Salty out on the road um, yeah, trying to create the pool and obviously in the other states as well so so yeah sales is the, is the big focus now. What's your um, pool like interstate? Obviously WA you'd You've got the exposure over there. How yeah. about the other states? So Victoria is our um, our largest sales, and then I believe WA is our second biggest, and then I think it's New South Wales, and then Queensland, and then South Australia, something along those lines. Um, yeah, we'd love to see more going into state. It's just the with freight, the costs become really hard to become become a bit prohibitive, especially with kegs. Um, and how many batches have you put through the brewery now? What? So, we've put through something like 20,000 litres of beer so far, which on an 18-heck brew house is pretty decent. Uh, so, we're up to the third batch of Gold Nail, second batch of Taco, second batch of Sunset, and, yeah, the um, Session IPA. And next week we'll be making the... So the base beer from the Sesame Snapchat, so the brown ale, um, we'll be making that also. Um, so sans sesame. Is that going to be like a seasonal for the colder months? Yeah. We were really happy with the, the base on that beer and, um, yeah, just decided to drop the sesame part of it all and just go ahead and put out a, put out a brown ale. I really like brown ale, so that's, um, that's exciting. But I was drinking the sesame on Friday and I noticed the sesame had come out a lot more. Um, reminded me of eating tahini like I don't know if anyone's ever eaten a tablespoon of that but that sort of same taste it's quite intense but the brown ale behind it was um was really nice I really enjoyed it and yeah I could imagine yeah the brown ale by itself would be a really good beer for food and, and winter time basically yeah no I think it'll be I think it'll be good for this time of year and it just seems like the yeah the right kind of beer and the thing that we quite like making and that recipe kind of came out exactly as we'd seen it so we just think yep we'll just bust that one out again and and i think it'll be a relatively regular uh, beer on our rotation and that followed taco which was your gab's beer from 2013 yes which is incredibly popular you've bottled that um people rave about it i just <laughs> finished one and um, it's tasting really good out of the tanks uh was it hard to follow up such a successful beer well i guess i mean we had no nobody had any expectation of us going into you know gabs i guess 2013 so including us um so i guess there was no pressure um so taco really came out of uh out of nowhere so yes there was a bit more pressure going into gabs this year but i guess and we look we're happy with the beer that we put up um there was a lot of other stuff going on at the time because, you know, we were right in the depths of uh, getting this place commissioned. So, you know, we made the beer 
like literally 14 days out from Gabs um, and Glenn at Temple was good enough to look after us and so um, put the beer through over there and Look, it's good. We think it's a really solid beer, um, but it wasn't a showstopper in there. The pressure's unfair, isn't it? It's really unfair. Because, like, Gab's, like, produces some pretty remarkable beers, and then we go to Yeasty Boys. All right, Gunner Matter was great. What's what's, what's coming now? And then you had Taco last year. Stakes are high now. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, and it'll be, I mean, it'll be a totally different kettle of fish as well once we've we're in here and we understand how everything works and we're in a much stronger position to be able to do some remarkable stuff but obviously I want to do remarkable stuff all year round you know it's not just for gabs I don't think Sesame Snapchat was unremarkable I think in that forum there's so many you know sour and big heavy you know ABV yeah, really beers spiky of bold five, was it 5.6 or 5.5 I can't read the thing 5.5 5.5 Brown ale base is pretty tough to, to win over a crowd with, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But especially I mean, in sixty mil yeah. tasters. Yeah. <laughs> but you would think the same with a hoppy wheat ale, right? You know, like yeah, there true. was absolutely no expectation that taco would capture anybody's imagination or, or be interesting to people in any way, shape, mm. or form. You know, we were kind of. I actually thought people were going to give us, um, you know, a bit of jib for not doing something that was out there enough. You know, that was actually my concern. Danny and Ol and I talked about it before it came out. We were like, oh. You know, we're just going to get crap for it not being special enough. Um, but yeah, you, and you just can't know. You just can't know what's going to capture people's imaginations. And and I guess we were just lucky that Taco did, and lucky in a way, and unlucky in another way because uh, it's a beer that we love to hate around here. <laughs> because uh, because of the limes you have to peel, is it? Yeah, well, because every time we brew it, there's um, trips to Footscray markets, and um, you know, there's a whole lot of lime peeling and a whole lot of coriander purchasing, and uh, you know, lost in things getting lost in translation. And when you have to walk into Footscray market and purchase um, seventy bunches of uh, of coriander, it totally freaks out the uh, the ladies who work there. <laughs> and uh, and then cartons and cartons of limes, and hours stood at the brewer's bench here, peeling away. And um, mm. yeah, look, it's it's good that the outcome is so good. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it because it is. I'm not going to lie to you; it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> so every time someone tells me that they like it, I love and hate them in equal measures. So, <laughs> uh, living so close to Footscray Market, though, you're getting really good cheap coriander as well so that's got to help oh absolutely it helps to keep the costs down and you know it means we can pop in for a sneaky money on the uh when we go down to do the uh to do the buying so you know at least we get a good lunch every couple of weeks and no complaints uh, at the risk of being a complete local uh discussion but i'm going to do it anyway uh where do you go for bun me and footscray what's your uh, i'm a new land kind of a gal Yep. Yep. Me too. That's a, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> and if I uh, if it's noodles, then it's uh, always bunta because they're uh, okay. They're killer. Fotam for us yep. if we're going. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, anyone interstate or or even that doesn't go to Footscray. <laughs> you should. If you haven't been to Footscray, you should do it. You really should. Like we. Risk of just being my Twitter feed recently. Like we went and had really great dumplings and noodles, all handmade. Had some. Um, Little biscuits from T. Cavallero and Sons that oh were just, just beautiful. It was like, you know, $20 and we just had the nicest lunch and, and dessert you can get. So Yeah, all good stuff happening in this part of the world. I do get upset, though. I'm I'm that person because, you know, Footscray these days is full of hipsters. And the more every time I go there, there's more hipsters than there were last time. And I'm like, please, <laughs> this is not what we wanted. I, I would love to agree with you, but I'm part of that problem. So <laughs> I've only been there not quite two years, so... 
I'm probably one of the new hipsters. Oh, well, it's good. Welcome to the area. It's good. We like it. Mm. Um, maybe we should take a break here and we'll come back and talk about the Pink Boots Society a little bit. Sure. Um, and just a few other general beer stuff. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we've just taken a break and refreshed our beverage. Thank you, Jane, for the sunset you've just poured us. Pleasure. Must be happy pouring your own beer in your own brewery. <laughs> yeah. I, I still, I guess, haven't really had time to take it all in. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty damn good feeling. I haven't – my big milestone was always going to be sitting at my seat, um, which is uh, at the front window there where I can actually see – all of the trains going past, see all the industrial, um, you know, bits and pieces across the road, see the bar and then see the brewery. So I kind of have my designated seat and I haven't had a chance yet to actually... Oh, someone's always sitting in my seat. <laughs> so, you know, I'm looking forward to actually being able to sit yeah, there. It's going to be a sweet moment when you can finally do it. It's probably good. a bad look if you were to kick someone off it. Like, I sorry, I'm in charge here. <laughs> Don't you know who I am? <laughs> we are actually going to get uh, little engraved nameplates for Danielle and I, so so my seat and then the one next to it. Excellent. Oh, um, so when they say it hasn't got your name on it, you can say, actually. <laughs> actually it does. <laughs> just for fun, you know, again, just little kind of fun fun touches. Hmm. Now, we wanted to uh, ray or mention the Pink Boot Society, yep. um, which I don't know much about. Uh, I guess it is aimed at female uh, brewers and, and that sort of a thing. Can you uh, tell us a bit about that? Yeah, sure. So um, Pink Boots is a society that was started in the US by Terry Farendorf, um, who, female brewer, she was travelling around um, the US and sort of realising that there was a stack of female brewers, but everyone thought they were the only one. Um, so it was really just about creating a, a network and um, I just guess connecting people and and about trying to get more females into the industry. Obviously, we've got a, a growing number, but we're still very much the, the minority. Um, so it's just about, I guess, empowering the females who are already involved in the industry and then about trying to, I guess, let people know that it's a legitimate career path and, and an option for them, um, you know, to actually come in and make beer. Or It's, it's not uh, just brewers. It's, it's anyone who um, actually gains a, an income from beer in any way, shape or form. So bar staff, marketing, you name it, it's um, it's all of the above. So something I believe really strongly in. Um, yeah, I just think it'd be awesome to have more chicks around the place and yeah, more, especially more females in breweries. How did you initially get involved with it? Uh, um, I, I just read about it and I literally contacted um, Terry and said, hey, I want to set up pink boots in australia and i was the first person to get in contact with her and so by default i ended up as the president of pink boot society because no one else had put up their hand <laughs> by, def- by default uh, such a bad way of putting it because <laughs> i was the only one dumb enough to, uh, to say that they were interested in it so and is it growing what's what's happening with it at the moment it's growing all the time and uh and i guess it's just about a matter of awareness and and look i'm not gonna lie it's one of those things that's it's difficult to fit into your schedule you know we're all we're all busy and a lot of us who are involved are on our own businesses and and there's a lot going on with that so certainly a lot more work that we need to do to 
to get everything out and about. But, um, yeah, it's, it's growing all the time and there's so many more females getting into it and who are just keen to be involved and to help out. And um, we're really lucky to have uh, Chris Latham, who also does uh, CBIA. She also works with the BA in the US. She's just the queen of... Um, this kind of stuff so she's been helping us to to try and get some traction and get things happening with pink boots so she's just an absolute she's our angel and what have you noticed i guess in terms of um as craft beer is is growing and becoming more mainstream as we said it's popping up in more places um being a a female have you noticed it change your attitudes towards you change in rooms are you seeing more ladies out drinking i mean it always makes me incredibly happy at you know, beer festivals and, and that sort of stuff when, um, you know, a bunch of chicks rock up to the stall and they're, um, they know what they're talking about, they're really interested to try your beers, they're engaged. Um, or really noticed it actually at the the Melbourne Beer Fest this year, so the one that took place in, was it Carlton Gardens? Orange, whatever, Flagstaff Gardens, Flagstaff whatever Gardens, it was, yeah. One of those gardens. <laughs> Were you there? <laughs> <laughs> I was, but I, I never remember which one's which. Um, and for some reason, that seemed to attract this, you know, this kind of... There were a stack of these groups of ladies who were all together and who were all really interested in what was going on. And it's, I was actually struck by it because you don't see it a lot. And, I, you know, we do get a lot of people, you know, especially females at festivals, who they'll come up and, the, um, you know, their male uh, partner or whatever will, will try the beer and they'll be like, oh, no, 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 I don't, I don't drink beer. Um, but that's definitely changing and, and it was really heartening just to see these groups of ladies who were super keen and super interested and, and just wanted to try. And well, my thing is always to just give it a shot. It's like, okay, you may think you don't drink beer, but just please humour me here. You're not, <laughs> you're not paying for it. I'd love you to just put all of your preconceptions out of the way and just give this a shot. We had some, in fact, last night, last night I did an event in Bendigo and I had two ladies who came up to me after the event and said, I don't drink beer and I had your gold nail and it was amazing and I'm a convert and, you know, these, and most, both of them were probably late 40s, early 50s and um, had in one kind of, you know, 30-minute kind of conversation had sort of changed over and decided that they were going to drink beer, so... Their whole lives, they've been missing out on beer. I know, right? How sad would that be? I don't know. I couldn't imagine. (laughs) Deciding that you don't drink beer to me is like deciding that you don't eat beef or, you know, just cutting out an entire thing. Mm. Um, I guess without realising that there's just such a length and breadth of styles out there and and just deciding that you Mm. don't do something is just a little bit it's a little bit sad to me I used to hate gin or thought that I hated what? gin which I, I know you love <laughs> um, I'm sorry we can't be friends anymore, <laughs> but uh, another fellow podcaster Phil Cook um, was discussing the idea of training your palate in different um, you know different like going and trying coffee and chocolate and sort of learning all those different flavours so I signed um, up for a gin tasting with uh, my girlfriend and I and turns out gin's really nice um, yes and it is but there's also a lot of similar flavours um, that cross over, a lot of sort of citrus and, and things like that, which I would have never known. And um, So, yeah, it's, I think it's important to, to go and learn these things and not just say, I hate X. Yeah. yeah. I, I, even one of my best friends, she's, she's one of these, I don't drink beer, but she sat with us at the Rev one day and actually drank an entire pot of taco. 
And it was one of the proudest moments of my entire <laughs> life was just sitting there with her, watching her drink an entire, her first ever pot of beer in her life. So it's possible. There's <laughs> something out there. If you don't drink beer, then uh, there's always something. you just got to keep trying. I organised um, the drinks for a friend's 30th birthday party recently and um, the theme was a black and gold party. So I, I figured uh, Two Birds Golden Ale is a great just party beer and it's got the black and gold label. It's a perfect thing to do. And the people that were at this party were girls who were drinking it purely because their drink matched their outfit and that was the only reason why they chose it and all of them really really loved it I like so, those girls um, yeah exactly <laughs> um, yeah so that was the kind of people that were drinking it they weren't really interested in it but it converted a lot of people that night good work mm. nice work do you think going to events um, you know like you said you're in Bendigo and sort of giving uh, a feminine face to the brand helps ladies that have never tried beer approach it Look, I hope so, and I guess that's kind of part of what we've always thought is that, you know, we hoped that just by us being female that people might kind of find it a little bit less, confronting is the wrong word, but might find it a little bit more accommodating or a little bit more comfortable or I'm not sure what exactly the right word is, but um, but that it might just encourage, you know, females to try beer and we really did hope that it was going to help a lot of people transition into to craft beer. So, you know, we're all about growing the market. We're all about, we want this whole craft beer sector to grow and there's such a, you know, I think there's still a lack of female drinkers even looking around the, the pub or at the the, uh, the tasting room. You know, there's still a good majority of, of males. Um, but, yeah, we definitely just want to see more chicks getting into it. And I thought it was growing a lot um, for the female market and then the other day we were in Slow Bear and Emma, my girlfriend walked in and it was like, she goes, she walked in and her first thought was, it's a sausage party in here. And I looked yeah. around and it was and just all dudes. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of beards, a lot of hoodies. <laughs> yeah. It was just yeah. 40 of us, pretty <laughs> yeah. much. Yeah. David and I replicated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it's kind of like, yeah, right, we aren't quite there yet. No. Um, yeah, it no. does strike me that certain, like, it's certain either, either bars or at events where I walk in and I'm just like pretty amazed, not just by the split in gender, but just the weird cross-section of demographic that is around now, which, mm. I mean, poor example, because you used to use slow beer as saying it was a sausage party, but <laughs> when I go to slow beer on like a Friday night, it's just weird to me how diverse the demographic is there, um, all drinking these weird and wonderful things. Well, uh, during Gabs this year, Emma commented that it's getting worse now because she has to line up for the toilets again, whereas uh-huh. two years ago she didn't have to line for the toilets. <laughs> so she was like, you know, damn ladies, you just leave. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. is a good point. Yeah, I do always make the comment. It's like, uh, at least it'd be, you know, at a beer event, I don't have to line up for the toilets. So. Weird upsides or downsides. To <laughs> um, I think we just want what suits us all the time <laughs> rather than what's good for anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Popular without being too popular that gets in the way of what I want to do. Yeah. Um, what have you learned over the the recent period? Patience is probably the the best thing that I've that I've learnt. Um, you know, so much of what we've been waiting on has been you know gas companies and councils and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely taught me to be patient. It's taught me to trust the process. It's taught me to trust my instinct as well. Um, you know, like we said, what we do is we just do things that feel right to us, and um, and then we trust that that's going to resonate with people and, and, and work out, you know, we've touched with the installation of this 
brewery, um, the actual commission, commissioning phase has been just one of the easiest things ever. You know, we we had a small mishap, but that was totally uh, human error. Uh, um, but apart from that, the equipment. Can you elaborate on this? We want to know what the mishap was. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that one goes to the. Uh, that one goes to the. <laughs> I screwed something up. It's, uh, <laughs> but in terms of the equipment, it's operated seamlessly from from day one and it's just been such a such a joy to brew on and every day I kind of pinch myself and I'm like yeah I'm just making beer in my own brewery and the filter works really well and and everything's just well laid out and you know it's nice and easy it's an easy brewery to work in so it's an actual you know it's an absolute pleasure to come to work every day um and yeah I just I pinch myself a lot I'm really really lucky and now we have this beautiful um space where we can share all of that you know with the public as well so yes I've learned to be patient and I've learned to I guess really appreciate what we've got and how very lucky we are it's a good lesson um and one final thing will you be brewing while people are in here is that going to be a yeah yeah look we've got we're um well separated from an ohs perspective in terms of you know people can be in here and it can be safe and comfortable for them um while we brew away so we'll do what we do and the bar the tasting room will do what is what it does and if they overlap then that's perfectly okay by us um we do intend to open on a sort of a night early on in the week, like a Monday or a Tuesday, and we do intend to do tours and um, be able to show people around. So, especially a lot of um, you know hospitality pub groups and, and that kind of stuff get in a lot of our customers and be able to show them some love and show them around and, and let them kind of touch and feel what we do and really understand Two Birds as a brand and a company and a, the beer and, and everything like that. It's going to be a really big focus for us once we just get everything bedded down and running smoothly. Mm. Cool. I don't have any more questions. Dave, are For you? those not aware, what are the trading hours? Uh, currently, Thursday 3 till 11. Uh, no, sorry. Thursday, we'll have to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> We're full of mistakes. That's okay. Yeah. Um, Thursday 4 till 11, Friday 3 till 11, and then Saturday, Sunday noon till 11. Cool. Great. Maybe a little bit earlier on Sunday if people go home early. So if we stumble past and there's someone in here, we'll just come in. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Not that I'm stumbling around on a Sunday morning. Um, yeah, great. Well, congratulations, Jane, Thank on you. the brewery. Um, yeah, it's a great setup. And yeah, good luck. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Thanks for chatting to us. Yeah, that's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.